Hello, and welcome back to the 9th, 10th edition. I don't know. It's been a while. You know what? Life has just happened over the past month or so. Uh, Our last guest was Gracie, and she graduated, and there was a lot going on, and then vacations, and then traveling, and then concerts. It's just been a busy time, and I have a lot to share with you over the next couple months. It's, it's, It's cool things happening, and actually ties nicely into what we're going to talk about today. Uh... We're going to talk today about fear. Do you ever see people who you just seem brave, that they, they just will go towards something, They'll maybe, maybe it's untested, but they'll go out and they're going to give it a shot anyway, and you just admire the heck out of them, like Braveheart, yeah, or anything Russell Crowe's ever been in, or Captain America, but barring any of these people actually being a superhero, it happens in real life, and it doesn't have to happen in, I have to go pull these people out of a burning building. Bravery is, can happen in such small ways. Uh, uh, really, I think of bravery as, it, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway. They, they're taking a healthy risk, and maybe there's been a simple split-second assessment of, is this a healthy risk? Is this something that's going to move the needle forward for me? And there comes that moment where, yes, this will move the needle forward for me, but I'm uncomfortable and I have a sweet spot. I have a comfort zone. So I'm not going to lean into that. I'm not going to push into that because I don't like how it feels in me. And maybe we call that fear in, in, our, in our own skin. And somebody else doing that thing, we may call it bravery. But really what it is, is measuring the cause and effect and measuring, am I willing to pay the price for this? Am I willing to step out of my comfort zone and grow this much or is the discomfort of it too much so I value the comfort more? That's really what it comes down to. And fear actually has a real historical, useful, purposeful response. It's a good thing to have fear because I'm not going to walk into a pack of res dogs. We know they got like half a ear and they got the mange and I'm not going to run into those. I see them and I get this little thing in my heart, this flip-flop in my heart, and my muscles tighten up, and I turn around because wisdom says, this is fear, and it's smart. Do not do that. Just like I don't go, um, what's that, LP, what's that sport where they stick the hand into the water and grab a catfish with their fingers? That would be called noodling. Yes, that's why I don't noodle. You know why? Because I like every one of my fingers. I've named them. Here's John Porge, John, George, Paul, and Ringo. And there's James Taylor. I've named them all, all my fingers. And I've become attached to them over the years. So I don't go noodling. And maybe you call that fear. Are you too scared to go noodling? Heck yeah, I'm too scared to go noodling. Because I'm sane. I'm normal. Why do you got to judge like that? Anyway, so fear does actually have a very uh, important role in our lives. The question is, when does it become rational or irrational when it's become something that is actually preventing us you know what if it came down to it and i was starving and my family was starving and they said we will eat nothing but catfish i may go noodling but we haven't got to that point yet i haven't had to overcome that fear it hasn't been necessary so it's not really limiting to me so is it irrational and what happens is we build up these monsters in our mind we create the monsters beneath our beds and we, we obey them, and they limit us, and they say, you can't do that, and then we believe that. 
We believe those monsters beneath our bed, even though we know that 99.9% of the things that we make up in our minds aren't even going to happen. But we hug them and we stroke them and we squeeze them and we stroke their fur backwards and we name them George because they become so important to us in our lives. We start worshiping at the altars of our fears. And that's going to limit us our entire lives. I see folks doing things every day that I don't do because I'm just, not, I'm just not comfortable with those things. And I would like to learn how to overcome some of those things. And I think this is a really cool lifelong journey for any one of us. If you're 12 and you're listening or if you're 70, if you're listening, because actually those are the ages of our two listeners. And <laughs> I just cracked myself up there that we can be on this lifelong journey of how to conquer our, our own fears, whether they're, they're, they're serving us or if they're, there's a disservice in this fear for us. So remember, fear has a feeling. Did you know that? Everything has a feeling. I want to talk a little bit about increasing our somatic intelligence. So fear has a feeling in us. What is the thing about the last time you felt really scared? What did it feel like? Was your heart beating fast? Was, were you tingly? Did your stomach have a feeling? Did your head spin? And then you look contextually and we labeled that fear because we did in fact run into that pack of res dogs and that's what it felt like. That fear felt like joy has a feeling, happiness has a feeling, anger has a feeling and usually look at context to see if it's rational or not. But what we do is we stop. We get to the point of having this somatic experience. We get this feeling in our body and then we stop and say, I don't want that feeling so I'm going to do everything I can to avoid it. And we call it fear. And they say, I don't do that because I'm scared of it. And it's very limiting every day of our life. So what if we leaned into it? Peter Levine's work, which I just love the heck out of. He says, if you attend to a sensation, it changes. What if we sat with it for a second? Measuring if it's, okay, you're not being chased by a res dog. Let's just say something that is an opportunity or maybe a belief that you have about yourself that creates this sense of fear. What if you sat with it for a second and just measured it? What does this moment feel like? What does it feel like in me? Not externally. I'm not even labeling it fear yet. I just want to find out the information. The information is, in fact, my heart's beating kind of fast. That would be a fact. And maybe my stomach feels funny. That's a fact. All these outcomes that you've had in your hypothetical future, none of that is fact. It's all hypothetical. So what if we leaned, leaned into dealing with just the facts? Again, Peter Levine, a sensation that is attended to changes. So let's sit with the information that your body's giving you. Let's just call it information. Let's not call it fear. Let's call it information. And what if we sat with it and leaned into it and let it bloom into something else? What if we challenged ourselves? to move the needle just this much, this much different direction. Because what has happened our whole lives is we've done something and we've believed something over and over and over and over again. It became this super smooth neural pathway that is just slick and we go there immediately. I don't do that. I'm scared of that. I don't do that. I'm uncomfortable with that. And it's become this super smooth highway in your brain. And the only way that changes is if, if you choose a different lane in that highway. Start driving on the shoulder a little bit. 
I say, well, the shoulder's a little bumpy. Yeah, it is, but hang on. And once that starts to fire, the brain says, so there's a new sheriff in town? We're going to do a business just a little bit differently? Heck, yes, we are. And the more you drive down that lane, the more that gets faster. And the more that gets faster. And the more that gets faster. And pretty soon you're expanding the lane even bigger and bigger and bigger. Because you know what? Fear's end game for you is to have you and I in our beds, under the covers, shaking, saying, why can't I do these things with my, with my life, in my life? What if we threw off those covers, stepped and punched it in the nose? We do that every day. And then tomorrow you do it again. And tomorrow you do it again. And I always tell people that you got to get up early every day. Get up early. Set, and the same time every day, actually. Get up at the same time every day. Pray. Read. Kiss your spouse. Kiss your kids. And get to work. Get after it every day. Find something that's going to expand you every day make your toolbox so big and deep that whatever comes along in your day you have the tool to overcome it you have the tool to address this problem but if you sit in bed with the covers up and saying i don't don't know how i'm gonna have the tools to to address this day then your day has won and you haven't won part of the biggest challenge is just showing up getting out of bed and saying let me see what this is about. So frame your mornings in particular that way. Get up, frame your day. Your first hour and a half, two hours are critical. But make your first hour and a half, two hours early. Five, six in the morning. Get up and get after it. Start leaning into it. And understand that this feeling doesn't have to be the boss of you. And I'm not, I don't say feeling as fear. I'm saying feeling as a sensation is what I'm trying to say. My heart and my stomach feeling kind of like this right now, that's not going to be the boss of me. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to say my prayers. I'm going to eat my Wheaties. I'm going to do some push-ups. I'm going to be active and I'm going to pursue and I'm going to go. And I'm going to be valuable to myself, my family, my community every single day. I love it when people have victories over their fears and then claim those victories saying you know what that was hard and i did it i work with a lot of folks that have been abused in some form in their lives and have the trickle down to to early life abuse affects so many things from their own thoughts or beliefs about themselves to their behaviors to to addictions and They don't want to feel those things. They don't want to feel that way. They don't want to feel bad. But they've almost given in to that. And to work with a a patient who plants the flag and says, I'm done. I'm moving forward. And every day wrestles with that fear, with that thing in the stomach. We know what it feels like. Or the heart pounding that says, You aren't good enough to do this. You aren't adequate. You aren't valuable. And when I I see patients and I I hear them start to push back against that, and I'll, I'll cheer like, come on, come on, tell me more about that, come on! Because I want them to see them move that needle, and you can see them posture themselves in ways of strength and sovereignty 
And man, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, sometimes I just feel like choking up when I see them do that because they are right in front of my eyes, visibly saying, I'm reclaiming myself. And to be in that moment is just a moving experience. And that can be us. Any moment of every day is that I'm reclaiming or maybe claiming for the first time that this is what I'm going to do and this is who I'm going to be. And I'm going to follow a path that I'm choosing, that I'm carving right now. And they prayerfully commit to that path. If that's not you, if that it doesn't have to be abuse. It can be just a sense of shyness or a sense of inadequacy. Whatever feels like it's bullying us a little bit. And we all have we all have things, my friend. You walk you walk down a person next to a person on a road, that person's struggling with something. You go to get coffee, you're in line behind somebody, that person's struggling with something. The person at Walmart is struggling with something. We all are. So rather than limiting each other, what if we just really focused on expanding each other and helping each other and building with each other instead of building against each other. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. We suffer in silos, but we heal in communities. So if we created all these different communities of healing of people that say, you know what, this is hard and I need some support. This scares me and I need some support. What if we actually scaffolded each other? instead of tearing each other down. Come on! Hold on! Come on! I get to watch my kids do this kind of stuff every day. Things that I wouldn't have done when I was a kid, they do, and I just admire the heck out of it. They play basketball when maybe they're, it's a brand new place and they're not sure how they're going to do it. And they walk into that gym and I tell them to stick your chest out and Hold your head up high. I watch them go to music lessons and things like that where maybe they're not real sure, but they go in there anyway. This could be you. It could be me. So I hope that we lift each other and support each other in each of our sovereignty and create communities of healing with each other. Come on! So there you go. Let's all experiment with being fearless. Or having rational fear. Okay, I don't want to be fearless. I, again, I'm not going to walk in the back of red dogs. But rational fear. Let's not our fears, let our fears limit us. Okay, so now on something totally unrelated, we're going to jump into the music section of the show. I love the music section of the show because I get to show off some of my friends to you and some of their songs and uh, some of my songs. And this... this uh, this first song is from my friend Davey O. He uh, lives here in the, in the Buffalo area, and uh, I've played with him a few times over the years, and he, I think a couple months ago already, oh my goodness, he played at the uh, singer-songwriter circle we here, have here at the uh, Historic Opera Hall here in Lewiston, New York, and uh, just did a great job. He's a great storyteller, and his songs are stories, and uh, LP and I were discussing his song called Texaco Sign, that we were just big fans of. Fans of. I love the writing and how he sang this song. So here's a song called Texaco Sign off the album The Share Project. Texaco 
Friday night underneath the Texaco sign Had your number in my hand and a pocket full of dimes I could feel my heart racing as my finger touched the dial On that Friday night underneath the Texaco sign Friday night underneath the Texaco sign I thought I found true love in that telephone line Was it me who was talking or the boons from wine? On that Friday night underneath the Texaco sign I used to meet you Just before dark In the shadow of the hill Of Griffith Street Park Or at the roller rink Behind the mall Out in the tall, tall grass it always broke our fall Friday night underneath the Texaco sign I pledged to love so strong that it would be undying I never saw the heartbreak with which I would collide On that Friday night underneath the Texaco sign Friday night underneath the Texaco sign There's a train in the distance I can hear it crying Or is it just my heart longing for those times or Those Friday nights underneath the Texaco sign Those Friday nights underneath the Texaco sign Texaco sign Texaco sign Texaco sign That's my buddy Davio. Texaco sign from his album The Share Project. Man, I like that song. LP and I were talking about that. We really enjoyed that song and that. When you find a song that you like, you should tell the person, if you know the person, that, that you like that song. So I think next time I see him, I'm saying, dude, I really dig that song, Texaco Sign, and we'll high five and maybe hug it out. Yeah, it's going to be a great moment. Anyway, remember I was talking about fear earlier? Um, I have a song called Fly on the album. I think it's on One in Every Crowd. And I pray a lot 
my friends. I'm, you probably deduced this already, but I'm pretty much a big dumb animal. And without prayer, who knows what I would be a dumber animal. I'm probably bigger, a bigger, dumber animal. So prayer is so necessary in my life. And you know what? Prayer for me helps with um, bravery. I, I guess that's the word I want to use because if God's got your back, not much can go against you. You're not powerless. So I pray a lot. And uh, I wrote this song really about that, that moment and those, that relationship with God. I thought, well, let me... Let me let me see if I can express this in a song. Um, so I wrote a song called Fly, and it's on the album One in Every Crowd.
That's a song called Fly on uh, the, my album One in Every Crowd. Um, and that wraps it up for this episode of The Singing Psychologist. Hey, my friends, did you know that... I'm going to give myself a sticker right here. I got a sticker right here because I worked really hard today. And I got a sticker in my hand right now. We have all sorts of stickers. Um, and if you write us and ask us a question, we'll send you a sticker. And you know what else we got just recently? Singing Psychologist t-shirts. I don't know sure what I'm going to do with them. I've worn one every day for the past month. A different one <laughs> every day for the past month. So maybe... Maybe if we uh, start doing live shows or I think ultimately I'd like to have a uh, something here at the Opera Hall where you can just invite a bunch of people down. Maybe we'll give those to folks. Uh, yeah. So if you want to get a hold of us, let me, LP, how do people get a hold of us? So if you want to email us, it is singingpsychologist at gmail. Uh, singing psychologist, not the. And on Facebook and Instagram, it's the singing psychologist. Uh, all one word. On both those sites? On both those sites. Uh, we do have another one still on Instagram um, that I'm going to be deleting. It's the dot singing dot psychologist. I'm going to delete that one. So follow the singing psychologist, all one word, and tell your friends. The singing psychologist t-shirts will be uh, available at the shop at Tonoma.com. I think they'll probably be in about a week. They'll be. Um, we'll wash them, the ones I've worn, and put them up on uh, Tonoma.com. So there you go, my friends. That is this episode of The Singing Psychologist. Um, tune in next time. Tell your friends about it. And let's take care of each other, good people. 